Today I hear people say that we have lost uh, the true meaning of Christmas. I hear people, you may hear them as well, and they say we need to put Christ back into Christmas. Today when you look around, you watch the world we're living in, uh, there are many advertisers, many retailers, many businesses, uh, many governmental agencies today that are choosing to say uh, happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Now that may seem like a small thing, uh, but we see that and we see that trend and we see other things that go along with it. And our response is that we are losing uh, the true meaning of Christmas. Well, here's the question this morning. So what is the true meaning of Christmas? What is the true meaning of Christmas? I want to tell you something this morning. My prayer has been and my prayer remains that this Christmas, this Christmas celebration will be the best that we've ever had. I'm coming into this month, I'm thinking about the events of life that are going on, and my prayer has been, and it still is, that this Christmas 2023, that we would count it, all of us, as the greatest Christmas celebration that we've ever had. That is my hope, and that is my prayer. Now, when I say that, uh, I imagine what comes to mind for many of us are all the reasons that it might not be. In fact, it might be all the reasons that it will not be uh, our greatest Christmas ever. Uh, there are some people, and they have uh, lost loved ones, loved ones that we, have, uh, we hold dear. They have passed away, and they're not going to be here uh, during this Christmas celebration. And we miss them, and so we wonder, how will this be the best Christmas celebration ever. How can we be missing them and this be the best Christmas celebration ever? Now, there are some folks in our congregation that are dealing with health issues. Now, there are some folks that are in a great battle even right now, and they do not feel well. And so they might say, well, as bad as I feel, well, the prognosis that I have, how will this ever be the greatest Christmas ever? Now, there are some other folks, and they are finding themselves in tough heartbreaking situations. And maybe uh, they have recently gone through a divorce. Maybe it's financial problems. Maybe it's uh, some sort of problems in the family, but their hearts hurt this year. And as they sit there and think about the year that they've passed through, they would say, how can this be the greatest Christmas celebration ever? There are some, and life seems to have passed them by. And you watch them, and it seems to be a somber time of their life. They're Kids maybe have grown up. People have moved on in different directions. Maybe they've retired from their job. Maybe they've changed jobs and things are different. And they look back and they think, oh, I wish it were that way again. Oh, I wish I could have that holiday season the way it was. And they replay all of their memories in their mind. And they also wonder, how could this ever be the greatest Christmas yet? We have all of these reasons why. And I believe maybe some of us are just preparing to get by this Christmas season. Maybe we're just preparing to endure. I've got all these reasons, and I'm just going to try and do what I can to make it through it, and we're just trying to do the best we can. Well, I want you to see this, and I want you to understand this, and it's going to be the, the really the point of our sermon, the message today, and that is this. The reason that this can be the greatest Christmas celebration ever. I want you to listen. The reason this year, 2023, can be the greatest Christmas celebration ever, and listen, it can, is because the truth of Christmas, the joy of Christmas, 
the hope of Christmas, the savior of Christmas, the victory of Christmas has not changed. His name is Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. Listen, we have reason to celebrate and I don't care what station you find yourself in life today, we have reason to celebrate this morning because of the person of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. So what is the meaning of Christmas? So what is the true meaning of Christmas? Today we have one verse, and it is one awesome, plain, profound verse. It's found in John chapter 3, it's the 16th verse. John chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to ask if you would turn there. Our message today is entitled, Joy to the World. Joy to the World. John chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. John chapter 3, verse 16. Joy to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I want to read that again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come and we rejoice in you today. We rejoice in a hope that endures, that stands today. We rejoice in peace and joy and gladness because of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray as we head into this time of the year, and maybe some of our hearts hurt, maybe some of our minds aren't right, maybe the things of life are wearing us down, I pray that today we would have a renewed hope, a renewed perspective, and our eyes would be fixed upon Jesus, our Savior. I pray for some that will hear this message today, and maybe they're here in this room, maybe they're listening in some other way that they will hear this message, and they do not have a faith relationship with Jesus. I pray that in this hour, this very hour, that in the hearing of the gospel of good news, that today they would turn to you, that any hindrance to that would be removed, and they would receive you in faith. Lord, I pray that today you're glorified. I pray that today you are known. I pray that you are exalted. Lord, I pray as we head through these next couple of weeks, I pray that our eyes are continually picked up and put on the person of Jesus. Lord, we love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I have read these verses uh, many, many times. I have studied this verse uh, many, many times. I have preached on this verse many times. Some of you may say, well, I've heard you preach on this verse. I've preached on this verse many times. Sometimes I'm tempted to say, I'm going to preach 30 straight sermons on John chapter 3, uh, 16. I want to tell you what keeps happening when I do that. The more I read this verse, the more I study this verse, and for sure the more I preach this verse, here's what keeps happening. I get more and more blown away every time. And that keeps happening. It gets better and better every time. And I, I want to tell you, here's the deal. I love the Savior God of this verse. I praise and I worship the Savior God of this verse. And so I'm excited for our time together today. What is the true meaning of Christmas? It's going to be sewn up and handed to us in this verse. Friends, I want you to watch this. Go ahead and buckle your seat, but I want you to watch this. 
I'm going to read the verse together, and then I'm going to break it down word by word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The verse starts off, it's very familiar to us, it starts off for God. Well, we need to understand today the starting place is this, there is a God. He is the creator God, the creator of all things. He is eternal God. He is before all. He is after all. Therefore, he is above also of all things. And he alone is God. Now, let me tell you something. The world hates that today. The world cannot stand that. The world actually ridicules the idea that there is a creator God today. Let me tell you something. That doesn't change the fact. And that doesn't change the truth. Listen to me. There is a God. And because of that, there is purpose. Because of that, there is meaning. Because of that, there is hope. And so the verse starts off, for God, for God. Then it says this, so loved. So loved. Now, this is absolutely awesome. And I believe it is, it is very telling that these are the next two words of this verse. Now, I want you to think about that for just a second. Of all the things that could be revealed about God, of all the things that are revealed about God, in this telling of his gospel, the first thing we find is the reality of God And I think it's very awesome. And the very next thing we find is the nature and the character of God that he so loves. And so he's introduced in the first part of the verse. And the very next thing, his character and his nature is told to us, he so loves. The Bible says that God actually is love. The word so means that we are about to hear the extent of his love. We're about to hear the expression or the scope of his love. Now, you could say God loves, and this is how much he loves. You could say that from the language. God loves, and this is how much he loves. Let me tell you something right here. I love to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. I love to, I couldn't wait to get up this morning. I love to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. I know that is why I'm on this earth. And I'll tell you this morning, I am so glad and I am so blessed to be able to tell people God loves you. God loves you. Today, people say there's no God. That's a terrible lie. But I want to tell you today, there's also people And there are even preachers who say you can't tell all people that God loves them. There's whole sermons on, you got to quit telling all the people that God loves them. Or they come along and they redefine the meaning of love altogether. Well, listen up. I'm going to say it this morning. I'm pretty sure I'm going to shout it this morning. The truth is this. Our God so loves, he so loves. Those are his words. It's who he is. It's what he does. And so listen to me. If you're in the hearing of my voice today, our God, the creator God of all things, he so loves you. You don't know my past. 
You don't know where I've been. You don't know how I am sitting here today. Listen, God loves you. Can you imagine, and it's pitiful, can you imagine preaching a God who doesn't love all people? Can you imagine? I don't, I don't know what, you get up in the morning and, and think you're going to go preach a God that doesn't love all people. Can you imagine how pitiful that is? I always think it's interesting, the ones that say that, they think God does love them. And so it makes it a little easier. He, does, he loves me, but he doesn't love all people. Listen, that is not our God. God loves. He so loves. The verse goes on, and it says, the world. Now, this is awesome. This also is awesome because God is intentional and he is deliberate in putting this here. It's not an afterthought. God is intentional when he puts this word right here. And so that's another awesome thing that we're going to see. He does that. In the original language, the word for world, it means cosmos or cosmos is the word we get from it. It literally means the world. It is the totality of of the world. Go look up the definition. It is the totality of the world. It is all of the world without the exclusion of any of the world. And so it is the world. Now I want you to be sure it's not talking about the planet. It's not talking about the rocks and the dirt of the earth. It is talking about the inhabitants of the earth. Now why is that awesome? It is because God is showing us here his love is for all. Did you hear that? His love is for all. You see, we people, we might want to exclude some folks. Now, I don't know what that is about our sorry human nature, but people, we might want to exclude some folks. Those folks are not like us. Maybe they're excluded. Those folks are unknown to us, so maybe they're excluded. Maybe those folks are unliked by us. I don't like them, and so we would exclude them. Or maybe we think those folks are less than us. Somehow they're not as good as we are. They're not the same as we are, and so those folks would be ex excluded. Or for sure we would say, those people with those sins, those should ought to be excluded. And we might want to limit God's love. But God says this, for he so loves his choice of words, the world. For he so loves the world. Joy to the world. For God so loved the world. Now put all of that together, and there is already this great truth about God. Now see, here's what's happening in Scripture. Scripture reveals to us our God. It's how he reveals himself to us. And already in just that, for God so loved the world, in just that, there is this great truth about our God. There is this great revelation about our God. Our God, the powerful, perfect, holy creator of all things, is a God of gracious love. He is a God of unimaginable love. Now, what does that mean? He's not prejudiced. He's not unkind. And the one true holy God revealed to us in just that one phrase, he is a God of love. Praise the Lord for that. We think we know what great love is. And I can, I can think about certain examples, and I think about the love I have for my, for my wife and for my kids, for my 
for my family. I, I think we know about great love. We think we understand great love. Well, I want you to be sure today, before we move forward, whatever we think about love and whatever we know about love, listen to me, it pales in comparison to our infinite God's expression of love. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Our God is infinite in all of his ways. And so whatever we think we know about love, whatever we think we understand about God, it pales, it is tiny in comparison with the expression of the infinite God's love. This is how God, who is love, shows his love. The next part of the verse says this, that he gave, that he gave. See this, our God is so gracious. He is a gracious God. It's funny how that attribute comes in. Here we are seeing the love of God, and now this attribute, the graciousness of God comes in. Grace is the unearned giving of God's favor. That is the definition. Grace is the unearned giving of God's favor. God says, God tells us that God so loves and so God gave. Now, those two things can't be separated. I want you to see that. God so loves and so God gave. I want you to remember something right here. We only have anything because God is gracious and because God gave. The reason we have life is because he gave it to us. The reason we have any good thing in this life is because he has given it to us. The reason we have hope and the reason we have a future and friend, the reason we have salvation is because God gives it. He loves and so the expression of his love is his grace. See this this morning. This is pretty awesome. The love of God is manifest, is made known in the grace of of God. Now, I thought of that yesterday afternoon. We ought to make a bumper sticker out of that. The love of God, the love of God is made known in the grace of God. And God is love, but we only know his love. We only enjoy his love because of his grace. Do you understand that? He is love. It's who he is. It's his character. But we only experience that. We only enjoy that and know that because of the grace of God. Folks, let me tell you something. On Christmas, we realize the grace of God. If we have our eyes open, we do. On Christmas, we realize the grace of God. Born for us, given to us is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He so loves that he gave. All right, that he gave. Next part of the verse is this. His only begotten son. I'm trying to catch my breath before I head into this part. That he gave his only begotten son. How much does he love? He shows it in his grace. How's his grace made known to us? He so loves that he gave his only begotten son. Listen, this is the crux of everything. Here is the centerpiece of everything. Here is the centerpiece of our gospel. God gave his only begotten son. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says, And you shall call his name Jesus. His son, listen to me, is 
Jesus. How much does he love us? How has he shown us his grace? How has he extended it to us? Is because he has given us his son, Jesus. Folks, listen to me very carefully. Jesus is the center of everything. Jesus is the center of everything. Jesus is the center of our gospel. I can't make that big enough. I've been thinking about that. I can't make that plain enough. I would like to figure out some way to make that big enough. Jesus is the center of everything. Jesus is the apex, the center of our gospel. Think about a couple things here. God promises a remedy for sinful man, one that would crush the serpent's head. Here we go, man enters into sin. Man is lost in his sin. Uh, he, he is gonna die and perish, perishing in his sin. And God promises a remedy for sinful man, one that would crush the serpent's head. That's revealed in Genesis chapter three. God points to an ark that will deliver his people to safety. In the wickedness of the world, we're gonna to need to pass through in safety against the judgment of God. He promises an ark to his people that will deliver them to safety. That's in Genesis chapter seven. God promises a propitiation for sin because of man's inability to keep his word. Genesis chapter 15 records that. God promises a blessing for all people. Listen, a blessing for all the nations, for all the people who would be a descendant of Abraham. Genesis chapter 22 tells us that. God promises a lamb who will pay for sin, not one time, but once and for all. Genesis chapter 22 tells us that. God promised to us a servant who would carry our shame, who would carry our sin in his own great suffering. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us that. God promises us a light, a light that will shine in a dark land. Isaiah chapter 60 tells us that. God promises us not only peace in Psalm 29, but one who would be our peace in Micah chapter five, verse five, and friends, even a prince of peace in Isaiah chapter nine. God promised an heir of David, but not just another king like David. No, the king of all the kings is promised to us. How fitting in the book of first Kings. God promises that we can look forward to a righteous branch, one that would come and establish for all time, forevermore, perfect justice. The old weeping prophet tells us that, Jeremiah. God promises a kinsman, a redeemer. And even when it is unlikely, even when it is impossible, he's going to provide our kinsman, redeemer himself. The book of Ruth tells us that. God promises us that there is redemption and there is re restoration and there is blessing in this one that would come. Rahab, the woman of faith, shows us that as she drops the court of scarlet out of her window and she goes from the lowest station of life to an heir in the line of Jesus herself. Joshua chapter six tells us that. Friends, let me tell you something. I could go on and on and on, but I want you to see with me today all of those, all of those, and I could have gone for another hour, the lamb, the king, the promise, the deliverer, the redeemer, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, the remedy for sin, our savior, all of those are Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So God in his grace, God in his love gives us 
Jesus to come as a man to pay for our sin, to suffer in our stead, to defeat our enemy death, to stand as Lord, the light of the world. It's about Jesus. Jesus is everything. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is everything. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That, this word signifies a result is following. A product can be expected. God's great love, God's act of grace carries with it an outcome. And so that's where we're going to see. What is the outcome? What is the product of that? That. The next word is this. I'm going to stop on this one word. Whoever. Whoever. It is another awesome word. It is another word used intentionally by God, as are all of these, and intentionally by God. In the original Greek, it is the word pos. If you go look up pos in the original Greek, it means each, every, the whole. Most literally, it translates all, none left out. And so pos means all, whoever means all. Now, I want you to remember that. We're going to go on for a second longer. Whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him. Now, the in him is talking about Jesus. Whoever believes in Jesus. To believe, if you go look up the word believe, it means to believe or to trust or to put your faith in. It's not that complicated. To put your faith in, to put your trust in. And so, to believe in Jesus, listen to me, is to believe in the truth of Jesus. It's to believe that he is the Christ, he is the Savior from God, he is the sinless Lamb of God, able to pay for the sins of man, he is the payment and has paid for our sin by, by dying on the cross of Calvary, by shedding his own blood, he is resurrected from the dead, he stands as the risen Lamb. It is to believe in the truth of Jesus. Okay, so get this. The Bible says this promise, this truth is available to anyone. The word means to all, to whosoever would believe. Friends, I want you to hear me and I want you to be very clear today. Anyone can believe. And so all are called to believe. Did you hear what I just said? That's a foundational thing. Anyone can believe. Whoever can believe. All can believe. And because all can believe, all are called to believe. And I want to tell you today, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God loves you and he has shown his grace to you. He's provided salvation for you and the cross of Calvary. And all you have to do is believe. Believe. Remember the old song we used to sing? We haven't sung in a long time. Whosoever surely meaneth me. Remember that? Whosoever surely meaneth me. Surely meaneth me. Praise the Lord, it means me. Goes on. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. Praise the Lord for that. Shall not perish, but have eternal eternal life. Let me tell you the reality, and I've got to tell it to you. The reality is any person outside of Jesus, they are still in their sins. 
because they have not trusted Jesus as the remedy for their sins. They are under their sin. They carry with them the guilt of that sin. And because of that, if they die in that state, they will perish eternally. They will be separated from God, cast away from his presence, and they will pay for their sins for all eternity. They are perishing now, the Bible says, and on that day, upon their judgment, they will perish forever and ever. But here's the good news of the gospel, and I want to tell you, it is good news. But those who have trusted Jesus, not of any work of their own, not of anything that they ever did, not of any change or expression of their willpower, but those who have trusted Jesus, joy to the world, here's what the Bible says, they have eternal life. They shall not perish, but they have eternal life. Let me tell you just a second about eternal life. Sometimes I think about that. Sometimes I think about the, the pictures that Scripture have told us a couple, couple years ago, the passing of my dad, I, I started thinking about the things he's seeing right now. I think about what our eternal state will be. Let me, let me tell you about eternal life. Are you listening? Let me tell you this. It is better than we can imagine. And I, don't, I imagine it's pretty good. It's better than we can imagine. It is more than we've ever hoped. And I, I can say I hope for this and I hope for that. And that'll sure be awesome. It is more than we've ever hoped. And there is going to be joy and there's going to be peace and there's going to be gladness and they're going to be infinite in their expression. They're not going to be hindered by sin. Joy forevermore. Peace and fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this, because it is eternal life, listen to me, it does not end. It does not end. Let me tell you part of the cruddy part of living in this world and, and part of the cruddy part of living in a sin-stained world. Endings. Comes to an end. Oh, I had a great relationship. Oh, everything was going right. Oh, I thought my hope was there. And you know what? It might end. Oh, I had a great job and I, I thought I had my money stacked up and I was going to make it to the end and I was going to get all the things. Something happens and it ends. Oh, I've got these family members and I love them and I, and I can't wait to sit down at a table and eat some, some turkey and dressing with them and then their seat goes empty and the, the curse of sin is at ends. But I want to tell you the joy and the blessing of eternal life is peace without end, life without end, joy without end. In Jesus, it does not end. Praise the Lord. So what is the meaning of Christmas? Many of Christmas is this. Listen very carefully. God loves you. God loves you. And in his grace, God has paid for your sin. In the giving of his one and only son, Jesus, they mocked him, they beat him, they nailed him to a cross, and there he died. But that was in God's love, and that was in his grace given to you. And if you, anyone, whoever, if you trust that truth, if you trust him as your Savior, I want to tell you the meaning of Christmas is this. We have that Savior in the person of Jesus. And if you'll trust in that Savior, listen to me, friend, you shall be saved. You'll be saved. Folks, let me tell you this. If we'll fix our eyes upon that truth, and if we'll remember that truth, 
And if we'll celebrate that truth, listen to me very carefully, this will be the best Christmas we've ever had. Oh, the emptiness of death hurts, but I want to tell you, we've got a provision for it in Jesus. Oh, the loss of the credit of these things in this world, it hurts and it stings. But I want to tell you, we've got peace forevermore in the person of Jesus. And if this Christmas, if we'll quit worrying about these things, and if we'll get our eyes up off of these things, and we'll put our eyes on Jesus, we'll have the greatest Christmas we've ever had. Till we do it again next year. I'm going to end today by reading two sets of verses. I want you just to listen. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we praise you today. We worship you today. Lord, our hope is satisfied in you. We can rest in you. There's peace in you, the forgiveness of our sin in you. So Lord, we come and on this Christmas day that we recognize the birth of a Savior that will lead to the Lamb, that will pay for our sin, that will lead to the resurrection, the receiving hand. We come on this holiday season, Lord, this Christmas season, and we celebrate our Savior, Jesus. We praise the name Jesus. I pray as we march off into these days, some that will find empty seats around their table, those that will be fighting battles of illness, those that will be suffering the other hurts of this world, I pray that we will be able to pick our eyes up and see that the anchor holds in Jesus. The foundation stands and has not crumbled in Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for your namesake and for your glory and to your glory that we would celebrate Jesus as never before this year. Help us in that, empower us in that, encourage us in that. And Lord, I pray for some that might be hearing this, maybe right here in this room. Their hearts are, are hurting and their hearts are broken and they're under the guilt and the weight and the shame of their sin. They've never trusted you. I pray, Lord, in hearing this truth, and hearing of your grace. Lord, I pray for your glory and for your namesake that today would be the day they would turn to you and receive you in faith. Praise the Lord for that. Lord, I pray that the good news of this celebration would be a, would be a, a testimony to a lost and world trying to trump up and fake good news. Help us be a beacon. Help us be a herald. Lord, I come and I lay this before you. Tell you we love you. With feeble words, we tell you we thank you. We praise you and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to conclude our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's grace is offered to you right now. Just like I said, the message of Christmas is this, God loves you. Because he loves you, he's made a way for you in the person of his son, Jesus. He's died on the cross of Calvary. He's paid for your sin. The Bible says that. If you will trust in him as your Savior, if you'll believe in him in simple faith, 
today you'll be saved. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Do you know you can do that right now? It's not in some checklist, not in impressing somebody. It's just saying, Lord Jesus, I turn to you and I claim you as my Savior, my King and my Lord, the Savior, the remedy for my sin. When you do that in faith, the Bible says you're saved. Maybe you need to ask more questions. Maybe you need more information. You come, let's settle that. Maybe you're ready to come and say, I've made that decision. I want to announce it to the church. Maybe you want to come and request baptism, not as part of your salvation, but testifying to it. Praise the Lord testifying to the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Savior Jesus. Maybe you want to come, you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here as well. Together we'll preach his word. We'll exalt his name until he comes again. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar today. Maybe you want to come pray in humility. Nothing is too big, nothing is too small. God says his grace is extended to all four. We're going to end with a time of invitation. Listen, if God is speaking, you don't miss this. God is speaking to you. Don't shut it out. As we stand and sing, if God is speaking to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.